0: Alright, a big hello to everyone. Welcome to the Stepping Out series, a podcast all about ordinary people just like you and me who have stepped out into the extraordinary despite the odds. My name is Anna Gray, and I'll be your host today and my sincere hope is as you listen that you'll be both inspired and equipped to step out into the call of God on your life. Uh, today we have Jonathan David Hatto. Whoa,
1: <laughs> come on.
0: I know, <laughs> full, I know. The full name the full name john and i work together so that's it, it's good let's see how different this is to everything else we've done yeah. um he's the uh, exec pastor at hillsong canada and just a phenomenal guy who is he, he he's a young young guy but his maturity is just far <laughs> beyond his years So i'm really pumped for people to hear your story
1: i i really appreciate that you called me young i you know i'm i'm kind of getting up there now so I've got a 12, have got a 12 year old and that makes me feel old. So, there you
0: go. Yeah. But you had kids when you were young as well. I did. I was 23. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And people are getting married at like 30 now. So it's true. It's true. And actually I've, we found
1: that that's actually a real, that's a real space for us mm-hmm. just to hang out and like, you know, there's guys, my age that are just having kids and we're already 12 years on that journey. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. Did
0: you feel like you had to grow up faster than everyone else. I definitely felt like I had
1: to grow up, I don't. I don't really remember like comparing it to anybody else. I, right. it's just wild to me because we're youth pastor for six years before I'm doing what I'm doing now. And so that, you know, like being a youth pastor and like spending time with other people's 12 year olds. And now I have my <laughs> own 12 year old, like this preteen, like crazy world that I'm going into. So. It's pretty nuts. It's one thing to minister to it. It's another thing to live with it 24 Yeah.
0: Right. Cause you can send them home at the end of the night. That's it. <laughs> fill, fill, fill someone else's kids full of candy
1: and then send them home. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's awesome. Yeah. Good times.
0: Yeah. So w- with that, so I'd love to, I think it'd be really interesting to hear. So what is your, what is your journey kind of been up until now? Like, you know, you've, you've come into ministry and you're in the position you're now, but what, what has the journey been, uh, since growing up, I'd be curious to actually hear what your teenage years were like and growing up was like, and did you ever think you would end up doing what you're doing today? I mean, I
1: grew up in church. Uh, My dad was a pastor. Um, So when I, when I was really young, I remember my dad going to Bible college when I was like four or five years old. Hmm. He worked for Youth for Christ now in Canada, known as Youth Unlimited and, um, so he did that and i always remember him doing you know youth conferences and youth talks and going into schools and doing assemblies things like that just just trying to make the gospel super accessible for for kids and then he went to bible college he was we were part of a church plant so that that's kind of been a theme for me all the way through it's just mm-hmm. uh, you know that kind of emerging congregation space and so i just grew up in church i grew up going to youth um, serving in church. I remember probably my my earliest memory of like actually helping out in church. I served on production, helped wow. helped out. Um, you know all the all the guys my age that were showing up. You know seven a.m. bumping into a school gym. Um, they taught me a little bit of production and and things like that. And and then yeah, like I grew up, you know doing doing youth and things like that, getting getting involved and helping out teaching younger kids, like especially in the junior high age group. And then I when I left home I went to I went to college in Sydney, Hillson College in Sydney. And that was really, I think for me, where where the call became real. You know, like there was there was a season mm-hmm. at the end of high school where I felt like God really got a hold of my heart. I'd been a I became a Christian when I was twelve, but I kind of really wrestled with it through those teen years, junior high into high school, trying yeah. to figure it out, trying to navigate peer pressure and you know how it is, right? Like when you grow up in church, there's just this, these two worlds colliding, right? Mm. And It's pretty hard to reconcile
0: sometimes, hey?
1: It really is. It really is. And especially when your dad's a pastor and he's coming into your school to do assemblies. Like that's oh, nice. pretty wild. <laughs> oh, wow. How big was your you school? Uh, so my first high school was about 1,300, 1,400 kids. So it was a pretty, pretty good-sized school. Um, but then when we moved, we moved to a different part of England. My dad took on a different church. Um, not as many people knew he didn't come into that school very often. Um, but by that point people were asking, oh, like, why did you move? I had an accent again, a theme of my whole life is having had an accent wherever <laughs> I've gone. And so people were always asking, oh, like, why did you move from where you are to, to where you are now? Right. And mm. uh, so there was always that church piece in there. Yeah. I was always pretty open about it. It didn't really bother me. Um.
2: Mm. But yeah, so
1: when I graduated college, I, you know, I actually had met, um, my now wife, Ange. she also did college. We met in Sydney. She's from Canada. I'm from England. And we, mm. um, we were actually in Sydney. We were walking around a part. We were really praying. We knew we were going to get married. We were praying about where we wanted to settle, where we felt like God was calling us to settle and we felt like Canada was the place mm. I'd never been here. So that was pretty, pretty intense for me to kind of come here for the first time. And, uh, we were going to get married here and
0: we just kind of got
1: involved with the church that she was, she was from before college. And right. I, I couldn't work. I didn't have a work permit at the time. So I was just volunteering, basically volunteering full time <laughs> with, yeah. with the youth pastor at the church and just got involved there. Um, and yeah, it just kind of took off. Like it just went, you know. Uh, from there, we always had a connection with, with, uh, our pastors, Damien and Julie, like we'd known them in Sydney. We mm-hmm. spent time with them even when we were youth pastor and if you had a Sunday off, we'd come be a part of what was then Vantage church, the church that they'd planted. And, um, and so when we felt like it was a change of season for us, uh, mm-hmm. they were actually one of the couples we reached out to and said, Hey, like, mm-hmm. what, what do you think? Like give us speaking to our lives a little bit, you know, give us a bit of wisdom. And mm. it just felt really clear, like, okay, this is where we need to be. We need to be with, with them building church with them. And so, yeah, it's been a bit of a, bit of a roller coaster for the mm-hmm. last what? Like 15 years. It's really yeah.
0: Crazy. Yeah. I think the interesting thing about chatting to you versus someone who may be in their twenties right now is you've done a change in season, right? Versus yeah. before you were in Woodstock, now you're here in Toronto. How do you know when it's time to change season? Mm. Like you know, there there is like uh, it, it feels like you know your call to ministry, but now it's like okay, now like 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 let's get into the nuances of what it looks like and which uh, church you're aligning yourself in, which leaders you're aligning yourself in the location and all that stuff. How do you know when it's time to change season?
1: Yeah, that's a great question and it's a it's something that we wrestled with for uh, i would say probably eighteen months to two years we When we moved and and we actually planted ourselves, we really felt like the word that we had from God was to go and start our lives in at this this other church, which is a pretty significant word right when you feel like okay, this is what i'm building mm-hmm. my life on um and obviously that means putting your roots down it means staying faithful, being consistent and and in general, that's kind of, that's always been a theme of my life. It's like, I don't, I don't tend to like flip between different things. Like I, if I'm there, I want to be there. Um, mm. And I've always just sensed like, if, if it's going to be a change of season that rather than, you know, what I feel like it's actually going to be, you no, know, has, has God called me to move on? Mm. Have I, have I sensed something different? Uh, Have I sensed like a, you know, a release in my heart and and in my Mm -hmm. spirit to actually move. And, and so there was a very, very real dynamic of what we were walking through in that, in that previous season as youth pastors, um, we had grown a lot. Like, I'm really grateful for that season. Mm -hmm. We were, like I said, we were there for six years and I learned a lot about local church ministry. I learned a lot about, you know, even taking some of the principles that I learned in college you know, in in a, in a effectively what was a mega church, you know, in, in Australia, um, to then actually taking that and applying mm. it in a, a smaller church setting. That's very um, cool. Yeah. For context, it was probably around when we moved, it's probably around 400 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just understanding that it takes time to build credibility in a space like that. It takes time to really filter through the things that you've learned to actually then Mm. um apply them in a in a in a different context um mm-hmm. so we we learned a lot about ourselves we learned a lot about our ministry what it is we were good at we would got experience i got experience on a smaller scale preaching and things like that
2: yeah
1: one of the things that we really did sense though was that we'd hit it we'd hit a bit of a ceiling and i think sometimes that happens right the maybe the leadership over us or just you know the pace at which we are growing or out, we are willing to grow. Especially if you have got that kind of growth mindset, not everybody has that, and I think mm-hmm. that's that's important to recognize. Um, but but it from a place of humility, and so I think it's important to understand. Like there are going to be times where you, you, you know, you do seem to hit that ceiling, and so then the question is, what do you do with that? Right. Um, and so for us, we really wrestled with it. I did. I didn't just kind of throw in the towel. I'm like, well, I'm out. Um, so we, we really sought counsel. Uh, we really went after like the advice of people in our world. So we reached mm-hmm. out to, like I said, the, to Damien and Julie Bassett, um, who we had done, we'd done some life with from a distance and we, they were people that we really trusted. Um, there were a couple other pastors that, you know, were really making a significant difference in, in that kind of Southern Ontario area Yeah. that we had, again, our, our paths had just crossed. And so we reached out and I just sat down and had coffee with them. And I just said, listen, like, this is where we're at and actually it was interesting because one of them uh, so obviously the, the bassetts were lead pastors um, one of the other people was a lead pastor then the other person was an executive pastor
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and then I also reached out to a guy who um, is pretty pretty high up in an insurance company in Canada like uh, executive level and so just kind of trying to get a broad sense of like what is what is leadership what is the leadership experience supposed to look like at this mm-hmm. you know at this level what what is it you know, am I being, and I'm the biggest question was, am I being, am I being fickle, you know, by by mm-hmm. wanting to move, am I, am I actually, have I done, you, you know, what's necessary in this space um, yeah, right. to try and work through the issues? Cause I think that's the, that's often the thing, right? We throw in the towel, we, we're quick to, we're quick to quit. Mm-hmm. And actually I think consistency is something that is super underrated in leadership and in our culture, especially at the moment. Um, and so for me, it was just really wrestling with those conversations. And so it took, it took probably, it took probably 18 months for us to
0: really wow. figure that out. Um, and, 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 you and, and like if you, you know, prolonged it, or it was appropriate amount of time.
2: Um,
0: I don't know if I
1: prolonged it. I, I probably stuck it out the appropriate amount of time, but I, I do remember my soul getting really tired. And I remember coming home from work some days and just being, you know, just kind of pouring it out to, to Ange, my wife and just being like, I'm so, I'm so done with this. I'm frustrated with this, you know? And, but again, I wanted to make sure that it wasn't, it wasn't just me and, and some, you know, some stuff mm-hmm. that I hadn't dealt with. It was actually stuff that was a big, yeah, bigger than just me. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I think, I think probably the one thing I did learn, um, probably the hard way and the wrong way (laughs) is, is I, I don't, if I could do it over again, I would finish a lot better than I did. Right. Um, I think what happened was that the, you know, my soul getting tired, sometimes those things spill out. Right. And you, 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 your language is not the greatest. The way you talk to people or about people is not the greatest. And that's, Yeah. I think, I think you've got to really be, intentional with that if you know okay like i've got a set i've set window of time that i'm transitioning you gotta be really wise in how you communicate to people around you even if you're Mm. frustrated with them or frustrated with the system you know um that's that can be really tricky because obviously how you you know we've we've always talked about you know how how you finish one season is how you're going to start the next one it's very true so if you if you burn the bridges in the last season um you know it's not super helpful for the next season
0: Hey, I hope you're getting a ton of value from this podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, would you like and subscribe? If you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, would you rate, review, and share this podcast with your friends? It would mean the world to me, and it helps the word get out. Now back to the show. Yeah, because it it is such a tough thing transitioning because I think sometimes you can try running away from it. It's It's that quote, right? Like, wherever you go, there you are. Yes. And it's, and it's, you, you go through life and then you find out, it's like, oh, I've always had really crappy housemates.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: They're like, mm, or I've always had really crappy relationships. Mm. I mean, I wonder who's a common denominator in all of this, right? It's your selection. It's, and, and so it's, it, it, it is interesting, right? Like actually dealing with your stuff quite fast uh, and being slow to run away from situations um, because, yeah, you could definitely make the transition and be frustrated at this in a in, in a church, for example, if you're under someone's leadership and then suddenly go to the next church and be frustrated about the same thing and not realizing there's actually stuff in your own life you need to deal with and maybe we're the problem. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah absolutely and I, and I think I think there's lessons that I've learned even in this season mm-hmm. where I I think back or I look back and I think okay if I had if I had approached certain aspects of my leadership differently in the previous season would I have gotten as tired as I did would I have gotten as frustrated as I did and so yeah it really is easy to look at it and say it was this person's fault but actually thinking through there's things that i could have done differently too right mm-hmm. um but it, for me just feeling like actually god was gracious <laughs> mm-hmm. that you know he redeemed that that previous season and he is he's kind of brought us into this season where we're really flourishing as well yeah
0: yeah it reminds me of the story actually in um first kings 12 and it's and it's uh after solomon there's rehoboam And so Solomon's leading with wisdom, and then his son, Rehoboam, comes into power, and he has to make a decision, right, about—I don't remember the story exactly the way it is, but he he just has to make quite a large decision. And so he has Mm -hmm. access to Solomon's elders and Solomon's people who help to make decisions, and then he has access to his buddies. And so Mm -hmm. he listens to the elders' advice, rejects it, and then follows his uh, friends' advice, who are essentially saying— put a even a heavier yoke on the people right like make sure you let them know who who's boss and actually mm-hmm. if you if you really trace it in the bible like that's actually one of the key moments that led to the split of northern and southern israel right like it came yeah. from that moment and and people were affected by that and so it's, it it's it, it's 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 so important right like even as you were saying like getting the counsel that you need like I was even thinking in my head I'm like all right like what is actually good faithful christian decision making right like it like the bible does point to yeah yes use scripture but also does point to counsel mm-hmm. but also does point to prayer and being discerning with the holy spirit and it's kind of like all of these three elements are kind of doing like a dance together and it's almost it's hard to separate all of them uh you know what I mean cuz I think I mean I've also seen some people who Purely go by counsel without prayer and scripture. I've seen people who purely go to scripture, which is great, but it, it you need people to work with you to understand what's happening. Right. Cause you can like mm-hmm. flick and pick whatever scripture you want and be like, it's time to go, you know, and, or yeah. it's time, it's time to do this decision. Or mm-hmm. some people can be like, well, I felt the Holy spirit saying X, which mm-hmm. is great. And all, all, all power to it. But again, right. If it's not in alignment with scripture um you're really got to ask yourself some serious questions right and so, yeah. it, so so it does feel right like counsel prayer and scripture all three of them with due diligence making those big decisions and i think just the peace and i'm sure you've felt it and i felt it in my own life the peace you get knowing that you've done that due diligence it's it's mm-hmm. irreplaceable right and it sustains yeah. you for the season mm-hmm.
1: yeah I- just as you're talking, I think about there was there was a there was a, a message that I heard, um, and some of you may you probably still find it on YouTube it was a Stephen Furtick message, and it was "Don't stop on six. And so he was mm-hmm. obviously talking about you know Jericho and you know Israelites going around the walls of Jericho, and I remember listening to this message and thinking, "Okay, God, is this a word from you?" Because I'm in my sixth year of youth ministry, I'm a you know, sixth year <laughs> of of being in this space. Um, you know, and, and so the timing of hearing that message, it actually, it really caused me to test, to test my own heart, right? Like, is this actually a word from God? Um, and I remember, I remember really wrestling with that. And, and I think sometimes it's easy to put all the weight on one, one thought or one scripture or one person's opinion. And at the same time, what it began to cause me to do was to think through at the end of the day, the decision is still mine. Yeah. And I think sometimes what we do is we make a decision, and then if it goes south, we blame God for it (laughs) or we blame somebody else for it. Yeah. Right. Like we were saying before. And what I began to realize was that even if, even if this was a word from God, in my heart, had I already, had I already transitioned? Had I already moved? It, the season hadn't changed yet. That's but sometimes point. I think what happens is we leave in our heart and we don't, you know, we're, we're already checked out. So we, we're praying, we're praying We're saying, okay, God, like help me make this decision. But actually we've already made the decision in our heart. We've already felt that. Okay. Like, even if I stick around, I'm not going to be here fully present. Um, and I think at that point it's actually healthier to to maybe sometimes move on because if you if your heart is already checked out um what are you bringing into that space and and it, you i think you can realign your heart and you can realign your spirit
2: yeah to a totally point,
1: um it is doable if you do the hard work and you you really you know get it right um but i just really me- remember in that season it really it really caused me to ask okay like am i sticking it out for the sake of mm-hmm. what i feel like is god saying this to me Or am I sticking out because actually I want to be here. Yeah. And, and so what I realized was I was thinking about, you know, that, that, that whole idea of whether you turn to the left or to the right, you know, God, God's with me, right. God's God's blessing, going to bless me. Um, and there's going to be, I'm going to experience his favor. And so one of the, one of the pieces of counsel that we really got was from, uh, from this guy who was an executive pastor and he'd also been a, um, he used to work for, for RIM uh, you know, making blackberries and, but he, this guy was like a gun. He was, he would look after a bunch of their top, top 100, Mm -hmm. uh, accounts. And so he had that experience in both the business world and in the, and in the, and in ministry. And one of the things he said to me, he said, if you make a decision, especially as a married couple, he -hmm. said, if you make a decision, make sure that you and your spouse are on the same page. Yeah. He said, even if you, if you make a decision and your spouse is not with you, and it, and it goes south, you're really on your own. But if you make this, if you make this decision and it's the wrong decision, but you've made it together, at least you're falling together. You're failing together. God is, you know, there's, there's a unity Mm -hmm. in that space. Um, and actually I think there is a lot to be said. And again, I'm speaking to married couples, but, Mm -hmm. but, um, I think, especially for guys, you know, we just, we don't, we don't always make decisions the way that our wives would make decisions. And so yeah. one of the things I remember being taught was actually our wives tend to be a lot more discerning about certain things. I think, I think I forget who it was, I mean, maybe Lee Burns or we said, Oh, like women have a flicky switch and they just, they're just aware. <laughs> they're aware of certain things. They're just, they're sensitive to certain things that we maybe are not as guys. Totally. And so that was, you know, obviously having my wife in that mix was a really big mm-hmm. portion of that council as well. But, um, but yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely owning your own decision as Mm -hmm. well. And, Mm -hmm. and understanding, okay, like I'm making this decision, whichever way I feel like God is leading me, I'm going to make this decision. Mm -hmm. And, and then actually owning that. I think that's the other piece of it, right? We make a decision, we own what comes as a result of that.
0: Yeah. You know, what's really interesting about that is, um, I think even before moving here to Canada and I think, uh, I don't know if it wasn't from San Francisco as well, but, you know, I felt a bunch of like external pressure, right? Like, you know, you get the counsel, you hear a couple of different opinions from people you trust. Um, and I remember my therapist saying, uh, and I was like, I just don't know what to do. Cause it feels like, you know, there's conflicted opinions and, uh, you know, you know, like sometimes it is not always as such a clear consensus, right? It can still be awesome, Mm -hmm. whatnot. But he says, you know, this is actually part of growing up and being a man, Mm -hmm. like actually making a decision yourself and owning it. And I actually Mm -hmm. remember even with um, a previous relationship I had, there was a whole bunch of conflicting stuff on it, but really at the end of the day, the only person who has to live with their decision is you. Um, That's right. And it's, it's it's such it's such an interesting balance and nuance because yes you want to listen to uh, counsel like I um, even when you think about the story of David right he got I think it was who was in power, power before, Saul was in power before uh, David and he was essentially saying don't go fight Goliath he actually denied the counsel so that's such a interesting extra nuance to it right yes uh, and he was told by people not to go and so it's. It's just such a like life is just so full of discernment, right? And so mm-hmm. yes, you you pray, uh, you 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 seek the scriptures, you ask for counsel, you get alignment. Uh, well, I feel like the 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 spouse piece feels pretty un- unbreakable more than anything else, in in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, but then it's like you really just got to make a decision, and especially mm-hmm. I felt like for us people who are in our early twenties, like that is literally a part of growing up. Like, I don't know if your parents are going to agree. Don't know if your closest friends are going to agree. You just got to own the decision, but of course, mm-hmm. in a very respectful and thoughtful way. And I love the fact that you took a good amount of time to, um, make that decision. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think the,
1: the alignment piece is is really, is really crucial because I think so I made, I was making the decision around 27, 28, and I've seen a lot of, Mm-mm. a lot of late 20 somethings go through this same experience. You know, I, like I thought, you know, sometimes again, when you're going through it, you feel like I'm the only person ever going through this. Yeah. But I have seen a lot of 20 somethings go through it at the, you know, that 27, 28, maybe 30. Cause I think what happens is that you, you know, you come out of your, you come out of your teens and you're just supercharged. You're ready to take on the world. Right. And then you're you spend those first kind of six, seven years, you know, maybe it's at school or, you know, really understanding, trying to understand more of what you are created for. And I think there's an element there where you start to then put your roots down and you're like, okay, where can I, where can I really make a difference? Where can I really push forward in, in this? Because you're about to enter into a season of your life. And this is not true for everybody, obviously, but but you're trying to, you're trying to enter into a season of life where really through your thirties, into your forties, you're going to, you're going to actually have a significant impact. There's a, a space there and there's a maturity level. Again, I know I'm speaking to mainly to guys, cause that's obviously my experience. Um, but I think there's that post 25 maturity that sets in that maybe is starting to fuel our thinking a bit more. Mm. And so for me, one of the things that I really went through was actually having to learn that if I'm in a, if I'm in an environment like an organization and the, I I don't see eye to eye with the person leading that organization, it's not always an issue with the organization. Hmm. And I think that's, you know, there's, there's something to be said there. And this is probably one of the, one of the lessons I learned from that season. Like I said before, you know, I don't think I did it the best. I don't think I failed it completely, you know, but there was definitely things they would do differently. Um, but one of the things that I, I did was I actually sat down with the leader of the organization as best I could. And that's not always, obviously that's not always an option if the organization's huge and you're not always, you know, direct report to the person that's leading. But I was in that space. I was able to sit down with the lead pastor and, and really chat through, okay, here's, here's where I'm struggling is Mm i i want to be able to to give my energy to this i want to be able to align myself with this um but here's here's where i'm struggling what do you see right what do you see and and as i went on i mean for me it was it was a very different church to what i'd grown up in so i began to realize this is not this is not a preference preference thing it's not preferential Mm -hmm. behavior that you know was was separating us actually some of it was coming down to theology right right and so I was beginning to realize that maybe the things that had been put into me as a young guy, some of the things that had been put into me through college, had actually caused—you know—they'd they'd affected my, my DNA, my leadership DNA in, in a more substantial way than I had realized. And right. so, what I began to learn, what I began to realize, is that if if I'm not in agreement with the organization and the culture and the DNA of the organization, that actually I'm the one that needs to move. Mm. And I think sometimes what we do in those late twenties years is because we're very cause driven and this is, you know, there are definitely times where the organization needs to shift and the organization needs to move forward. Um, but I think you have to, you have to really do that deep work of figuring out who, who am I, what is it that I've actually been called to do? What is my belief system? You know, and again, a lot of what we, a lot of what makes us who we are is woven through our right through our past right so it's something i've always noticed. it's something a super simple example for me but i grew up in england very little ice very little you know no nobody ever played hockey yeah. and yet i just had this like curiosity around ice hockey like i was like i would you know they played they showed one nhl game on a sunday night at 3 a.m i would stick in a you know vhs a tape into the vhs i would record that and i would watch the hockey game and i bought skates and i played you know shoot pucks in my driveway and things like that and i'm like what 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 is this
2: hmm.
1: only to then realize 20 years later that i'm living in canada i'm wow. ministering in canada my my kids are canadian like there's a you know and so but i think that's that's just a you know a small mm. um, example but there are things in who we are that have woven through our childhood woven through our you know our, our young adult years that are actually a part of our future right that god has put those things into us and so I think it's important to do the work of figuring out who who actually am I mm. and 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 finding an organization that we can align with. And mm-hmm. so that was really for us, it was a telltale for us that whenever we took a Sunday off where we were, we came to be with Pastors Damien and Julie.
2: Right.
1: That that they, they represented a culture that we understood, that we were like, I like this environment. Yeah, I right. want to be a part of this environment. Mm. So in that season of transition, it was like. You know you really wrestle with it but then all of a sudden you make the decision you're like this was this was a this was a no-brainer like why didn't we figure this out right at the beginning um yes. but i think we had to learn some things through that season mm-hmm. in order to get to the point of being able to settle it in our hearts when we did move mm,
0: yeah very good um yeah uh, i want to i want to transition a little bit i had a, someone actually um uh, inbox me and ask this but i want to ask you instead this person said. Would love to hear your thoughts on rest and what that is for you. I re- really struggle with getting things done before my Sabbath, plus balancing friends and introvert time. Wow! <laughs> yeah, we that's, need that's a full a in about five minutes. Oh
2: my
1: goodness! <laughs> okay. Um, I think again, I would say this is something that I've really, I've really wrestled with, and I've really had to learn, and still learning. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think sometimes when we are performance. Oriented, performance-driven people and leaders, we actually have a really hard time shutting off because we feel like our worth is attached to what we do. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest lessons I had to learn was, you know, I I am valuable for who I am, not just what I do. Mm-hmm. And 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 what I do is not who I am. Mm. If that makes sense. So, my worth, my value before God, my worth, my value before people, actually comes not at not in conge- you know connection with the things that I'm able to perform uh, mm. as a, as a job and so for me that was a real learning curve and i would say that boundaries is a a really huge part of that it's actually knowing yeah that you're in an environment where you can say okay i i need to create space here and and obviously there are seasons right some some seasons are going to be more intense So, you know, one of the lessons I learned early on in ministry, one of the pastors that our previous church really taught me this, he said, there's there's an ebb and flow to ministry. Mm -hmm. So some seasons there's going to be, you know, it's like the snow melts on the top of the mountain and it's just like torrent coming down the mountain. You're like on, you're on, 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 and you're doing lots of things. And, you know, you and I, we know at Christmas and Easter, like some of those key seasons in church life, that's what it looks like. We know that December is a big month. Yeah. And so then we need to understand, okay, if, if in those flow seasons, we have, well, we've looked after ourselves, uh, you know, then we're going to go into an ebb season. Mm-hmm. It's still important to look after yourself and vice versa. Yeah. Right? Um, and like I said before, I think consistency throughout the seasons is really important. So, you know, always trying to keep a good, just a good sleep schedule, yeah. you know, eating, eating right working out like the, you and I talk about this stuff all the time, right? But yeah. it's, it's things that again, go underrated or underspoken, I think in a leadership environment. And actually it's the things that really do make a great leader is if you can, if you can look after yourself mm-hmm. and you can learn how to what, what your limit is, you know, and I shared this that, I, uh, you know, with a bunch of our leaders, uh, last month, but, um, you know, it's important to to be able to say no to the right things, right. so you can say yes to the right things. Yeah, you know. And sometimes we don't even think about things. Okay, I've got to say yes to this opportunity and yes to this opportunity. Um, and actually, what can happen is we say yes to everything, and then we actually have no energy for anything. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you can pick those things that actually you are the best at, or yeah, you know, again. I've got three kids, right? We went through a season of youth ministry where you're, you know, you're raising, you're trying to raise kids and, you know, you're raising, helping raise other people's kids. It's, it's, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. It is a lot. Um, and so you really got to create that margin. And I I talked about the idea that a lot of us run at a hundred percent, right? We pack our schedules, we pack, you know, um, our work, work balance, um, and so what happens is that when we have something go wrong, when there's chaos that enters the picture, it actually creates chaos because we've gone over our margin. Yeah,
2: right. Whereas if we
1: can live, if we can, if we can look at our life and say, I want to live at 80%, we're not underperforming. We're actually leaving space so that if we then go over, if something happens, it's, it's like carrying a glass of water up the stairs, right? If The glass of water is all the way to the top. You're going to spill it. Yeah, Doesn't right. matter how try, how mm-hmm. hard you try and keep it straight, mm-hmm. but if you can leave a little bit of margin at the top, mm-hmm. then when you then when you go around a corner or you you know you kind of stumble a little bit, it's not going to go over the top of the glass. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of us need to really create that space. But yeah, sleep, eating right, exercising, making making time for the people you know those two or three people that are really um, life giving for us. I think those things are really important yeah. with rest.
0: I know something that you do every Friday is go out on your, on your bike. Right. And, uh, just get out in nature and put on your EDM. Well, I don't know if it's EDM music, whatever it is. <laughs> I don't know. U- UK drill. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's, that's something you do on, on, on a weekly basis, which is like, it, it's really cool that you found that thing. That's like, you know, it's your thing. I know you work out outside of that, but just on a Friday when the kids are at school. Uh, going for a bike ride and just getting that time out in the forest, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly important to try finding that that space for it. I think actually one thing that you and uh, Julie Bassett, who is our lead pastor at Hillsong Canada, told me, and I I think at one point I I had multiple nights of just church-related things. And I think mm-hmm. both of you said to me, like, you shouldn't have more than two. Mm-hmm. At the best, you shouldn't have more than two. Again, there are seasons, but really, you really shouldn't have more than two on a regular schedule. I was like, huh, okay. Yeah. And then just getting really creative with how you get those other things done or, you know, and then being mindful if there is a season where something is happening on a weekly, nightly basis, how can we flex? And, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's just always, uh, and and it's actually from John Marks Comer's book and he says part of being human and being in submission to god is to recognize that you actually are a limited being absolutely and he's like and i heard someone saying that i love sleep because it tells the world every single day you're not superhuman you're gonna need a nap just as much as the next person as much as you can say you know i'm always on I, i i i can keep going no, it's like your life is going to catch up with you. Maybe you can go two days without any sleep, but you are still a finite being. And I actually think like being humble before God is actually that recognition. And I remember Christine Kane used to say, some of you just need to tell God, uh, I know I've got a bunch of stuff going on, but I leave it into your hands and go, t- go sleep and just, yeah. just rest. Cause that's, yeah. that's actually, it It does actually feel like it feels like humility and pride actually could actually look like worrying a bit more and staying up all night, trying to fix everything on your own terms and just going to bed and saying, all right, well, God, I'm living in your hands. Good night. <laughs> yeah. He's not yeah. sleeping. I think
2: yeah.
0: yeah.
1: I think it's John Ortberg. Uh, he says, I think it's in the life you've always wanted. He says, yeah, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. <laughs>
0: it's so true. I love
1: that so much. Right. I think, and I think, I don't know, we've, we've come to just glorify overwork and and busyness and all this stuff. And actually, you know, as a leader, more and more as you level up in, you know, in ministry or business, whatever, you're not just paid for what you do, you're paid for who you are. Mm, And and, and if you, and if you destroy who you are, what you do doesn't matter Mm. because you're going to, you're going to burn all those bridges anyway. Right? So yeah, if you can take care of your soul and actually bring the best of who you are to every situation, you're going to, you're going to see the compound interest of those, those decisions and those conversations and those, you know, different things that you're involved with. Um, And I think it's really important to, yeah, to, to, to realize that you are, you know, we're not just in it for, for short haul, we're in it for the long haul. Like I I I keep saying to my wife, like I want to, I want to still be living the dream and loving my life and loving the church in 60, 70 years time. I don't know how long I get, but you know, I want, I want to still be passionate. I don't want to get to the end of, you know, Mm -hmm. my 40th year or my 50th year, and just be toast. Like what, what benefit is that to anybody? And what benefit is that to my family? Right. To my, to my first ministry, Mm -hmm. my wife and my kids, like they deserve the best of me. God deserves the best of me. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, my wife is a, is a decorator and she, you know, we used to paint houses together before we got, you know, before we got married and then that first year of marriage and, I would always try and do as much as I could. Like I'd get, get a bit of paint on the roller and just like go nuts across this entire wall. And she's like, dude, it looks like it looks rubbish. Cause you, you spread yourself too thin, right? Mm-hmm. Like just use, use enough paint for that section of wall and then move on to the next one. Right? Like, mm-hmm. cause otherwise it just, it doesn't cover properly and everything looks bad as opposed mm-hmm. to trying to cut corners and keep the cost down. Yeah. Um, yeah. You end up, it ends up costing you a lot more in the long run.
0: Yeah. I'm definitely seeing this theme of, you know, we, we've ta- we've spoken a lot about what we're doing, right? And you know, mm-hmm. that's one element I think of the God call on your life. But then it's also who you are and who you're becoming. Like that's immensely Im- important. And I'm just, it's such a challenge, right? Because it's like, are we willing to actually pull back what we're doing and all the external accolades and all that stuff, so that we're living lives that actually look a lot like Jesus. Because I would rather, I think about my grandma, she passed away recently, and quote-unquote, you know, she didn't have all the external accolades. Um, She didn't have a large church or a large ministry. There were a lot of people coming to her and coming to her house and calling her up all the time, and she'd pray for them and whatnot. Um, But it it was never anything, you know what I mean? She didn't get an award for anything or any public recognition. Mm-hmm. But then I looked at, look at her life and I'm like, that is a life well lived. You know, I, I, I would, I would rather do that versus the person who, you know, did all the big stuff, got the recognition, but then you find out that their internal life was just crumbling all along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, like what value is that? You could, you could have spoken in every country in the world. Um, but then if you come to the end of your life and then, you know, it turns out that it was your internal life was a mess the whole time. <laughs> it, it's really convicting because I think we do want to make a big deal about ourselves and the, and the internal things are so hidden that it is that kind of thing where it's like only God sees that thing and it worships God in private. There's no public w- worship of Good job, Onagra. You know, like you're experiencing that, that peace, that joy, all that stuff. It's it's really only mm-hmm. benefits yourself and and God and, and God sees you in the secret place, right? Um, yeah, that's hugely convicting. It's not it's not mm-hmm. just about what we're doing in our life. It's who we're becoming, and God can do that a billion different ways.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think I think too, you know, when you think about ultimately, you you know, as a leader, you're replicating who you are. That's right it's easy it's easy to delegate what you do but but actually especially for us in ministry right we're we're replicating who we are and and i think i mean let's be honest we've we've seen several high profile leaders over the last two or three years who seem to be doing a fantastic job of replicating who they are, but then you see the damage that's caused on the flip side of that when it does does all crumble and i mean I think there's something to be said there for putting out putting our hope in humanity Mm -hmm. instead of what, you know, we would say in a, in a perfect, in perfect God, but, but at the same time, you know, it's, I, I, I want to still be standing for the benefit of the people I'm leading. Yeah. Right. You know, I want, I want my kids to see what it looks like to go the distance. Like I, you know, we both got family members that have gone the distance that are still going the distance that still love Jesus, you know, 60 years, whatever on in the journey. And, um, I, you know, I think we, we miss that sometimes that phrase, you know, well done, my good and faithful servant Mm -hmm. and actually what does faithfulness look like? Faithfulness doesn't, doesn't necessarily look like hitting everything on your to-do list. Um, and, and one of the things I realized is that there's always more to do. Like if you're, if you're in a leadership culture, if you're in a growth mindset, if you are in a space like that, that's always just pushing the boundaries. Um, you know, there's always going to be more to do Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter like how much you get done on that to do list, especially if you're a leader, you're going to wake up the next day, like, Oh yeah, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this, (laughs) you know, and you can, you can come up with a whole nother list of things you need to do. Um, or you work with people that are wired that way as well. And they're going to, they're going to keep putting stuff on you. Not, not because they don't see that you need rest, but they're just, they're just bringing their leadership to the table. Mm -hmm. And you need to sometimes be actually able to say, you know what? This is this is a next week situation. I'm I'm actually taking the day off. Like mm-hmm. and just being being aware of even just, yeah, like you said, that that space that you need for yourself to be mm-hmm. I think I just think it's fascinating that what's the first thing that God does for humanity, right? Mm-hmm. He gives them a day off. Yeah, well.
2: Wow. <laughs> he just he's
1: like, no, you I'm gonna create you into rest. Yeah, he wow. makes humanity on the sixth day, seventh day, God rested. Mm-hmm. So He's not saying, okay, like now you've got to go and work hard. Like if, if God has made us, he's also created us yeah. to actually just, to, yeah. Like you said, to, to realize we are finite yeah. and that we're not, we we do need that space and that rest.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, John. That was brilliant. That was really good and really helpful. It was a good reminder for me as well. And for everyone listening, I, I, I pray and hope that it was helpful for you. Appreciate Ooh. everyone who watched or listened. Um, and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. If you're looking for more stories that'll inspire you to step out into the call of God in your life, why don't you check out this podcast right here?